Good morning. So we've got Jonah, a prophet. Modern day word for that would be preacher. We've got him. We've got a word of the Lord that came to him. We've got him walking away from the word of the Lord. We've got him endangering his friends. We have him saying, throw me overboard. We have him swallowed by a fish. We have a fish with an upset stomach that throws Jonah up. Jonah says, Lord, I will go tell those Ninevites about you. And now Jonah is walking into that town. So let's start back at chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read a minute. And then let's see how we got to this place. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Why the second time? Because he didn't listen the first time. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, And preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah, after having learned his lesson, arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. If you notice, that's an eight-word sermon. Amazing. Because now I want you to see the result of the eight-word sermon. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? And turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Then God saw. What did he see? Their works. Their actions. That they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. This is a spiritual awakening this is a revival in the land this is a people who have been living in one direction 
deciding to do one thing their own way, and now turning from that way and turning to the way that God has said, this is how I want you to live. Many people in our land are praying for revival right now. Many people are crying out to God saying, God, would you transform us? God, would you change us? God, would you turn us back to yourself? And there's a formula in here for revival. There's a formula in here that says, if we do this, then God will hear us. But before we begin that, let's talk about what is revival and how have some people defined it. One man said that revival is days of heaven on earth. I don't know that I totally agree with that in, it, in its exactness, but I agree with it in its essence of what the person is saying. It's a time and a place in the land where the will of God preempts the will of man, and man is saying, God, you come. God, you pour yourself out on us. Another man said, Revival is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. So the first definition, revival, means days of heaven on earth. The second one, revival is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. Have you ever thought about the number of times or the amount of time in one day that you live your life without an awareness of God. Thinking about Him in your life. Asking Him, guide me, give me this day my daily bread. I think for me, I would be... It's hard to think about the number of times I'm not thinking about God without thinking about God. But if I could step back and look into it, I believe that I would be embarrassed at the amount of time I live my life without thinking about Him or consciously saying, God, what is your will? What is your way for this moment? Because it becomes very easy to get busy and start living in our own thoughts. It becomes easy to get distracted or easy to become desensitized to what's going on around us. And we don't even consider God. It becomes easy to embrace the sin in our lives so much so that we don't even realize that we're sinning or we've justified it so long that we don't even acknowledge or know that it's sin. Revival is a conscious awareness of God. Revival is that moment when you're in the middle of sin that the Word of God, the way of God, steps into your life and you go all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I am an affront to a holy God. I am living my way, not His way. And you see, when we go back and think about salvation, salvation says that we have been bought with a price, that we're no longer our own. We don't get to call the shots anymore. He calls the shots. Revival is an awareness of who's driving the, the car, if you will. Jonah had his moment. Jonah, I believe, got out of sorts with God 
when he forgot who he was a citizen of or where he was a citizen of. You see, Jonah saw himself as a prophet, as a prophet of God. That means that he had a national pride in his Jewishness. And he had an allegiance to his Jewishness. His Jewishness would dictate to him what he did, how he thought, how he worshipped, who he associated with. And the scripture says that once we become a child of God, that we are no longer a citizen of this world, but we are a citizen of heaven. Now that means that we must begin to think not in terms of, of political boundaries, but eternal values. And that's going to cause us to have to step into things and places and people's lives and behaviors that might not seem normal. And Jonah had to run from God. Jonah had to be thrown out of a boat. Jonah had to be swallowed by a whale. Jonah had to be cast back up onto the beach before he realized, hey, wait a minute. My king is not the king of Israel, but my king is the king of heaven, the Lord of earth. And he's the one that I will show my allegiance to. And when he realized that, now he was willing to not just go to Nineveh, but go to Nineveh at, at risk of great peril. Because these people had not repented. These were the people that would bury you in the sand in the sun with only your head exposed. These were the people that would cut out your tongue. These are the people who would crucify you. And all of these things, they were wicked, evil people. And yet, because he understood now that his allegiance was to the God of heaven, he would go back and cry out to them, the judgment of the Lord will come in 40 days. He saw his life in light of eternity. If I perish, what did Esther say? If I perish, I perish. Because it's more important for me to do what God wants than to be in a, in a safe place or a popular place. So Jonah's now in here with these people. He's now preaching. And the very thing that he thought would happen if he preached actually did happen from the king to the lowest person in the society they all repented in fact every single person who lived in Nineveh that great city every one of them cried out to God it's not happened in the past it's not happened in the present and there's no indication that it'll happen in the future it is a work of God that is unmatched by any other work of God. And Jonah preached and they responded. Revival. We are not asking for emotion, but for an expression of the power of God. Jonah 3 is an expression of the power of God. Not out loud. But I want you to think about the one thing in your life that you would least like to surrender at this moment. Now, if God comes to you 
like he did to Jonah. When he said, Jonah, I want you to surrender your identity. I want you to be a faithful preacher among a people you don't like. If God came to you this morning and said, our relationship hinges on this thing, would you be willing at that moment to lay it on the altar and say, Lord, here it is. Revival is not an emotion of, I believe in God. Revival is an emotion, not an emotion, but an action that says, I surrender to God. When I was a kid, I remember singing the hymn, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. And Jonah had to walk away because his reputation was at stake, his residency was at stake, his life was at stake, his acceptance among all the other people of Israel was at stake. And he said, rather than be popular before men, I will be obedient before God. And he preached that message. And these people turned. Jonah is not about a physical miracle of a great fish, but about a spiritual miracle of a great father. Revival came to the most unlikely of cities, to the most unwilling of hearts, and in the most ungodly of people. As I said earlier, in one day an entire town came to salvation. A one-of-a-kind event. Began with one. Is there in this room today that one that would believe that the God of yesterday, who's God of who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that God wants to work in our town? Do you believe that He wants to redeem our city? Are you willing to be the one that swims upstream to be that person? Are you going to say, God, I'm yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll reach out to who you want me to reach out to. I will love who you want me to love. These people were not lovable. And yet, in obedience, he went to them. And there are going to be times that God calls you to love people that are not lovable by human standards. To proclaim a message So that not because they see your love, but because they see God's love. But when you go spread God's love, guess what? They began to see your love because you can't love somebody in Jesus' name and not all of a sudden have an affection for them. We have been given the mandate that Jonah was given to go to our Nineveh. And proclaim to them the word of the Lord. That word is love because he sent us. That word is judgment because he's holy. That word is mercy because he allows us to repent. And that word is true. Stone cold because there ain't no other way. That's the only way to get there. And we have the responsibility... And we have the privilege, we have the duty 
and we have the blessing. We have the charge to labor, but we have the promise of rest. And he says, I want you to go. Well, what took this people in a matter of moments? What took them from evil and despicable to repentant and obedient? Let's follow it. You can chase me on the outline now. The first thing we see is a desperate condition. An eight-word message preached to a people. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes for just a moment. He's off the beach. The partially digested seaweed has been washed off. And now he is walking into a town. Don't you think he was wondering what's the reception going to be like? Can't you imagine that he wondered if he was going to make it three steps in when he said the name of God? Can't you imagine that he was thinking, these people are going to think I'm crazy, and then when they think I'm crazy, they're going to kill me. He said, but I am marching. I am going. I am not going to turn back. I am going to conquer my giant. I'm going in. And when I walk in, he said, I'm, in the Hebrew language, I got five words. If I turn it into English, I got eight words. I don't know which one I'm going to be, but I'm going to say it. And here's all I got to say. So you think about it. How long would it take? Um, I am happy today here. Okay. I am happy today here. That's five steps in. I have nothing else to say. So what do I have to say on step number six? I am here, whatever I said back there. Five words. That's where I am. And every five words, I've got steps, I've got to repeat myself. And that's all I've got. And he was expecting murder. And he was expecting chaos. And he was expecting rejection. And instead of that, everybody that heard him was falling down and repenting of their sin and their evil ways and saying, God, have mercy. From Scripture says, from the least to the greatest. And then when the word got to the king, he said, I tell you all what, I'm going to take off the royal robe, I'm going to put on the raunchy sackcloth, and I'm going to go sit in a pile of ashes because in my desperation... I don't only want to speak the right word, but I want y'all to see the right action. And when the leader led, the people followed. The people of Nineveh believed God. And in believing God, the next blank would be they turned to God. In verse 5, it says, the people of Nineveh. It's the turning point of the entire book. It reveals what took place, um, what God had intended to happen. The word believe there is the word of action. It's the word of humility. It's the word of, of obedience. It's the word of turning away. It's the word of a changed behavior. And so many times... 
it's so easy to say, do you believe God? And the word yes comes out of my mouth faster than any other word because who would say, no, I don't believe God? But that word believed is a word of action that says, I believe it enough to do differently. It's in the New Testament. It says that even the demons believe. They have the knowledge, but they don't have the action of faith, the action of repentance, the action of surrender. And if we sit in here today and we declare, I believe God, and we do not behave differently, we are no better than the demons of the New Testament. That's harsh. But that's truth. Jonah had to come to the place that his belief was action. The people of Nineveh had to come to the place where their belief was action. A new behavior. These people in this moment, they turned to God. They believed it. They did not believe in the messenger, but the one who sent the message. They believed God. They demonstrated their belief in two ways. First of all, in verse 5, we see an inward sincerity where it says, So the people of Nineveh believed God. And how did they demonstrate it? They proclaimed a fast. And they put on sackcloth. In other words, we are going to deprive ourselves of food and water so that we can focus on God. And so that you will know that I am participating in this, I am going to put on a sackcloth and I'm going to cover myself in ashes because in that day in this culture, it was the ultimate sign of humility, of surrender. There was an inward sincerity. There was an, an action that they took. I want to ask you, do you live your Christian life without ever taking action toward God? Or is it a verbal assent, a mental assent? Is it a cultural identity? Or when confronted with sin, what do we do with it? These people changed. They went from murderous and evil humble and contrite did y'all see on the news this week about the teenagers that videoed the man drowning didn't help him just videoed it and one of them could be heard at the end of the video saying we could have helped can I tell you, we are not very far from Nineveh. When you can stand and watch somebody die in your presence and you are not compelled to take an action. When we hear on the news of a father who takes his three-month-old infant, throws it against the wall and the child dies. And when they ask him why he did it, he said, I was tired. That's Nineveh. How long has it been since we 
read the news of, it, of just the city of Atlanta and it hasn't had somebody's life being taken in a way that is evil. That's not far. And we are so blessed because we live in the age of the church. And in the age of the church, it means that we are under the grace of the cross and there is still time to repent. It means there is still time to proclaim. It means there is still time to make a difference. And today, we could decide to be that difference. Because I am, for one, am tired. Not like that daddy was tired. I don't want to throw anybody up against the wall. But I do want to usher them to Christ so that they can see that there is hope in this land. And I want us to do it with all 15 nations that represent Mount Zion Baptist Church so they can't say it was a work of this people group or a work of that people group, but it was a work of God. Which, by the way, tonight at 5 o'clock, if you want to be a part of helping us reach out, figure how to reach out to our ever-growing Hispanic population, we're going to meet and talk and discuss and ask God to show us how. I would love for you to be here. It's going to be in the ark at 5 o'clock this afternoon. They turned to God. There was an inward sincerity. There was not just an acceptance, but there was an action. They put on the sackcloth. But not only was there the inward action, there was the outward humility. Who can tell, verse 9... Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from His fierce anger so that we may not perish? The sackcloth, the ashes, was the show of humility. In verse 7 and 8, And He caused it to be proclaimed and published, talking about the king, throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink water. But let man be, and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Am I so tired of hearing about the three-month-old being thrown against the wall? Am I so tired of hearing about people that will video someone dying and do nothing about it? Am I so tired of that and so convicted that it's evil and so convicted that it's contrary to the ways of God? Will I not get up and cry out, God, heal our land? Or will I just sit there every day and read the news and say, Oh my, we're going to hell in a handbasket. I tell you what, that is an option because God allows it. But there's also another journey you can take. And we can take the journey of revival and we can take the journey of repentance and we can lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ and He can change the most hardened heart. And my family, He changed the heart of a no good, child abandoning drunk. turned him into a man that loved the Lord God and restored his family. In my family, he took a rebellious teenager and redeemed him. 
And the word of the Lord has come to him the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth time. And his mercy is there. We make a difference. Not by sitting here. Truth, this is what we do for us. This is where we get energized. This is where we get fed. This is where we come and feel like, man, I've been with God and I've been with the people of God and that is a good thing. But the word of the Lord did not stop with go to church on Sunday. The word of the Lord continued on to say, and now leave and go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Think next Sunday. I want to rope off this section. And I want to rope off that section. And I want everybody to have to sit in two sections. Because sometimes when we sit like this, we think, man, there's hardly room for anybody in church. Look at my row. It's got people on it. But I believe that we could have two completely empty sections. And we would see that there's a whole lot more room for us to go find somebody and bring them to church. And God, would you send us to Nineveh? Because right this moment, statistics tell me that within walking distance of this church, there is a minor young lady who is a slave to sex trafficking who at any moment could be summoned by her pimp within walking distance of this church there's a child within walking distance of this church statistics tell me that there is, there are children who have not eaten. And I don't need statistics to tell you this one. That within walking distance of this church, there are children that have slept in a car last night because they have no place to call home. Ladies and gentlemen, it is good to gather, and I want us to gather, and I want us to be comfortable when we do. But I don't want us to be comfortable to the place that we forget that there are people who are perishing. And I don't know what they're going to do on Capitol Hill today, tomorrow, or next week. And in the scheme of eternity, it will not matter what they do. But... I do know what the God in heaven's going to do, and it will matter for all of eternity how we respond to it. Jonah had to go into the belly of a fish. The people of Nineveh heard the word. They trusted God. They trusted Him inwardly. They trusted Him outwardly. They said, 
Here it is. And the key word to revival is in verse 8, where it says to us, in Jonah 3, verse 8, it says, where's verse 8? Can't find it when you need it, can you? But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way. The key word is repentance. Repentance is a different behavior. We see outwardly there was a change in their head for they believed God. There was a change in their heart for they called a fast. There was a change in their hands for they gave up their evil ways. One man said repentance is a change of mind which results in a change of heart, which results in a change of action. These people, they turned to God. These people, they trusted God. That's revival. Who can tell if God will turn and relent, verse 9, and turn away from His fierce anger so that we may not perish in essence there the king is saying if we will turn to God perhaps he will turn to us Zechariah 1 3 if we turn to God he will turn to us so when you see the absence of God you have to ask yourself a question is there an absence of repentance is there an absence of turning God will you turn us today Will you turn our eyes? Will you turn our minds? Will you turn our ears? Will you turn our mouths? Will you turn our hands? Will you turn our attitudes? Will you turn our actions? God, will you turn them to you? Will you let your way be preeminent in me, not my way? And I think I can say this confidently by experience as well as by anything you read. That every point of sin in my life has been because I put my will ahead of God's will. My comfort ahead of God's comfort. And I didn't trust that His way was best for me. And every time I do that, I wind up in a place I don't like. And this is something I found out about that sin. It's usually a fun journey and a cruddy destination it's fun getting there it's like going to a bad movie Miss Joyce you go to that movie and you get in your car and you're all excited everyone's happy because you've got visions of dancing little popcorn boxes and happy drinks and you're going to get yours and you're going to sit there and you're going to eat it and you're going to enjoy it and you believe that what's about to come on the screen is amazing and it starts playing and it does not get your attention from the beginning in the middle nor at the end and you leave there and you think I spent $25 for snacks I spent this much money on a ticket what could I have done with that much money That's the way sin is. It's a good journey and a bad destination. These people trusted God. Revival is nothing more than a new beginning of obedience to God. So here we go. We've got in them, we've got they turned to God. We've got they trusted God. 
And then we have a divine compassion for people. The revival in Nineveh was due to the fact that God had compassion on a wicked people and an evil people. We see two things. The observation that spared them. Then God saw their works. That they had turned from their evil way. Do you want personal revival in your life? Let God see that you've turned from your evil works. You say, well, what is evil? Evil is anything that is not of God. They turned from their works. God saw. When the people began to repent, God took notice. It's as if he leans out the window of heaven. And something catches his eye. And what caught his eye was a people who said, not my will, but your will. These people were once cruel. And now they're compassionate. They were once mean. And now they're merciful. Lord, give us tangible evidence of your work in us. Let us see it. The observation that spared them. The determination that saved them. God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. He relented. He changed his mind. Wait a minute, I thought God couldn't change. God's cry of judgment was on the old Nineveh. The unrepentant Nineveh. The people who were evil in their actions and not obedient to Him. But once they repented, He no longer had to carry out that action because now they were walking in His way. You say, give me a New Testament example. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Prior to you repenting and turning to God as your Savior, you were by God's plan eternally separated from Him and destined to hell. But at the moment that you relied on the blood of Jesus Christ to be your salvation, God relented the judgment of eternal separation and bestowed on you the blessing of eternal relationship. God is very consistent here. God has always embraced repentance. God has always extended the opportunity to repent. God has always said, if you'll turn to me, I will turn to you. And this day, my prayer is that God will raise up a Jonah who will walk into our Nineveh, wherever that is. And that we will, in the mercy of God, proclaim the truth of God. So that people can hear. And I believe that if we preach the word of God, I believe that people will come in.
And I believe that the sides will be full and the center will be full. Homes will be restored. Little children can be set free. Families can be put back together. And addictions can be overcome. And does that mean, does that mean that somebody that we would not normally hang out with might come and sit on the pew next to me? Yeah. But how freaking cool is that? That somebody I might not hang out with normally would come sit next to me and they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and then not only would they sit next to me for a, for a church service, they might live next to me for all of eternity. And think about this, that one little child that may be in their life who could have a new life and a new future and a new hope and a new security. Jonah obeyed. The people responded. And the kingdom of heaven was enriched. So where does it start? How does it start? First of all, it starts with an honest conversation between us and God. The first question we have to ask is, God, am I born again? Have I believed unto repentance? If the answer to that is no, you take this route and you do like the Ninevites. You repent, you become humble, you call on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says he will redeem you for all of eternity. If the answer is yes, I know I've been born again. Then the next step in that process is you take this route. And that route is, Lord, I am yours. Do with me what you will. Show me how to obey you. Let your way take precedent over my way. Let your will take precedent over my will. Lord, I will follow you. I will go. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. You say, show me the way. We are beyond the days of comfortable Christianity. It is not comfortable anymore. Because the moment that we surrender, we are faced with everything in a new perspective. Hard question. If my answer is yes. What was standing between Jonah and revival was walking to Nineveh. And he knew it. So the question we have to ask is what is standing between us individually? What is standing between us and revival? If revival is the will of God, then what is standing in between? And am I willing to walk away from whatever that is to pursue what God wants.